0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show Podcast, Hour Three. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number is 877 972 7425. Sorry, uh, distracted here as a fly lands on my head. <laughs> I don't know how it got in the studio, but nonetheless, we move on. Uh, you can be a part of the program, eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. Also, if you want to join me at a gun range at the end of October to sample some bourbons, you can get a voucher. You can come early and shoot guns or get a voucher and come back after you've been drinking because they don't want you shooting guns after. The lawyers aren't happy with that idea. Uh, you can come hang out with me. It's going to be at the Governor's Gun Club. It's in Kennesaw, Georgia, October 28th from 5 to 9. I'm going to bring in some folks, have some conversations, take questions from the crowd about the state of the election uh, as we head into the midterms, which will be coming up a week or so later. So you, two weeks later, you can text the word bourbon to 33777 and hang out with me. Uh, ticket's on sale now. I want to talk to you about a somewhat outrageous story can you imagine a new york times reporter ever suggesting any democratic candidate isn't black enough you you can't you, you can't can you Uh, suggesting that a a black man isn't black enough. I can't think of any Democrat they would ever do that to. Even, frankly, Barack Obama, who was of mixed race, who grew up among a privileged elite at a a rich school in Hawaii. You're not going to have the New York Times say, well, he's not black enough. But they've done that to Herschel Walker down in Georgia as they start to get feeling like maybe he could win. And by the way, he could. Warnock in Georgia is up in the polls. The polling average has gone from basically a tied race to Warnock being a little bit up. I really think it's that ad. For those of you not in Georgia, Raphael Warnock has some fantastic ads. He's probably got the best ads of any politician in America right now. But one of the attack ads against Herschel Walker is the video clip of his ex-wife in a Nightline interview talking about Herschel Walker abusing her, putting a gun to her head, threatening to kill her. It was done with Herschel Walker as part of an interview on mental health and overcoming his struggles. Doesn't matter. The ad's drawing blood. And no response has been forthcoming from the Walker campaign. When asked about it, he says, let he who has no sin cast the first stone. Well, the stone's been cast, buddy. You got to respond. But the New York Times isn't satisfied. The New York Times sent a white reporter from California to Georgia to make an argument in the pages of the New York Times that Herschel Walker is not black enough. The headline, the racial divide Herschel Walker couldn't outrun. The subheading, As a teenage football prodigy, Mr. Walker was pressed to join a fight for civil rights at his hometown. His decision echoes decades later, and he goes to Wrightsville, Georgia. Now, for those of you who don't know where Wrightsville, Georgia is, Wrightsville, as we say around here, Wrightsville is 61 miles from where I live. It is in South East Georgia, middle Georgia, a little southeast. It's, it's north of Dublin, Georgia. I've been through Wrightsville as a lawyer. There's not much there. You got the Dairy Queen and a Circle K. You got the Cornbread Cafe. You got Johnson County High School. You got the Pizza Place. You got a Dollar General. The Cattle Bay Restaurant. North of the city is the Johnson County Country Club. You look on a map, you'll see a lot of dark roads. It's kind of poor county. The race for a critical Senate seat was on full motion by midsummer, but there were just a few Herschel Walker campaign signs sprinkled around his hometown. They were planted in front of big homes with big yards and a downtown storefront window near the sidewalk by the Dairy Queen. There were two on the corner by the Johnson County Courthouse near a Confederate memorial. Aha! The support appeared randomly scattered, but people in Wrightsville saw a dot-to-dot drawing of a racial divide that shaped Wrightsville for generations. And it's now shaping a critical political race with national implications. All those campaign materials were in the white community, says Curtis Dixon, who is black and who taught and coached Walker, a Republican in the late 1970s, when he was a high school football prodigy. The only other house that has a Herschel Walker poster is his family. It may not be an exaggeration in a predominantly black neighborhood of small homes about a block from where Mr. Walker went to high school. Nine people, including a man who said he was Mr. Walker's cousin, gathered on a steamy Saturday in July to eat and talk in the shade. No one planned to vote for Mr. Walker. Most scoffed at the thought. Around the corner, a retired teacher named Alice Pierce said nice things about his mother and family, as most people do, but I'm not going to vote for him. I'll be honest with you, she said. Fearful of repercussions in a small town and out of respect for members of the family who still live there, many spoke only on the condition of anonymity. One woman, taking a break from mowing her lawn, said Mr. Walker would be in over his head as mayor of Wrightsville. He's famous to some people because of football, but he's just Herschel Walker to me. Really? Y'all got that? Black voters not voting for a black candidate who is a Republican is not something new. Black voters tend to vote Democrat. And it is actually the racism of the New York Times for them to say, well, black voters do not vote for this black guy. He's not black enough. No, he's not Democrat enough. But the New York Times can't handle it that way. They got to make a race issue out of it. And they used this quote from his old teacher. Herschel's not getting the black vote because Herschel forgot where he came from. He's not part of the black community. Do you have this? Herschel Walker isn't part of the black community. That's what his old teacher says. And what he really means is that Herschel Walker's not a Democrat because in the South, overwhelmingly black voters vote for Democratic candidates unless their name is Stacey Abrams. They don't like her and still a majority will vote for her. And they try to weave this story that back in the day, Herschel Walker didn't participate in civil rights rallies. He was getting out of town. He was going to go to the football school. He was going to be a football star. And he didn't participate with them. And they all feel betrayed. Can you imagine the New York Times sending a white reporter somewhere to declare a Democrat, a black Democrat, isn't black enough? That's what they're doing here. This is the end of the story. Why has he not used his fame, fortune, and now his political standing to raise the voices of those he left behind, they ask? It is a question raised in 1980, echoing in 2022. One ex-teammate, Tommy Jenkins, said the answer to the question was once very simple. Mr. Jenkins was among the black track athletes who boycotted the team and participated in the protests. A lot of people criticized him for not standing up, but I understood why Herschel didn't do it, said Mr. Jenkins, a black rightsful resident who intends to vote for Mr. Walker. It would have ruined his career. This is actually fascinating, not because of what it tells you about a black candidate running as a Republican, but about the New York Times and its white staff who are deeply offended at the idea of a black man running as a Republican. By the way, you should know, Herschel Walker's not alone in this. Publications like the New York Times vilified Tim Scott. Tim Scott is a black senator. For a time, he was the only black senator. And it bugged the left to no end that he was a Republican. Tim Scott's not only a black Republican senator from South Carolina, but he got a start in Congress representing the first congressional district in South Carolina. That's notable because the first congressional district is where Fort Sumter is, where the first shots of the Civil War were fired. And that area of the country was willing to send a black man as a Republican to Congress. And the left was furious, and they tried to delegitimize Tim Scott's story. To this day, you will find folks like the New York Times writing stories that Tim Scott's story isn't all there is. In fact, there was one that came out a while back when Tim Scott's book came out. And they suggested, well, actually, his family had it easy compared to authentic black people in South Carolina who are Democrats. They do this every time. There's almost a template at the New York Times now. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh, black man thinking for himself. Vote Republican, attack, attack, attack. Can't have that. It's why they hate Clarence Thomas. They despise Clarence Thomas because Clarence Thomas, they claim, is betraying black people. And every single damn time they do these stories, what it actually is, is these people, whether it's Herschel Walker or Tim Scott or Clarence Thomas, you name it, what it is, is they're not in line with the Democratic Party. And because most black voters vote Democrat, they get to argue that actually they're not in line with black voters. They are somehow betraying their race. It seems to me, seems to me, that what the New York Times is actually saying is thinking for yourself and marching to the beat of your own drummer is class and race betrayal as opposed to being a good thing where you get to think for yourself. They don't like that. I, I, again, I, can you imagine the New York times writing this about Barack Obama who grew up in Hawaii, went to a very prestigious private school, moved abroad, had a life unlike most black Americans. They would never do that to Barack Obama or Kamala Harris or Stacey Abrams, or Raphael Warnock. But it's easy pickings. George's population is one-third black, but Mr. Walker's campaign staff is almost entirely white, as are the crowds that gather to watch him. That's another actual quote in this piece. This is the New York Times, trying to essentially say Herschel Walker is a white man in black face because Herschel Walker is a Republican and they don't like the fact that Herschel Walker is a Republican. He's going to get some black votes, but he's not going to get the majority of them because he's a Republican, not because he's some sort of race traitor as the New York times would have you believe sending a white reporter from California to Georgia to declare Herschel Walker, not black enough is exactly what the New York Times does these days. It is an organization on its front page, still gives you the news of the day, but every page further inside the New York Times descends further into left-wing racism and madness. This is an absolutely racist piece. This is absolutely racism to declare that Herschel Walker, because of his views and beliefs isn't black enough, to declare that Herschel Walker isn't black enough because his campaign staff is white and people he's getting support from are, are white people. I, are those white people, are they not racist? I, I mean, how is this? This is part of the horror of the New York Times here. They can't handle that Herschel Walker's getting white support as a black man. Don't you know those whites in Georgia, they're not supposed to vote for a black man. They did this to Herman Cain as well. When Herman Cain ran for the Senate in Georgia and then for president, Herman Cain was a black enough. you know because he was running as a tax-cutting Republican who was backed by white people. White guys at the New York Times telling us what black people can and cannot do might be the height of racist paternalism in America. And now they're doing it to a football star who left his hometown and made it big under under the lights. And they despise it because he dares to be a Republican. So winter is coming, and I got to tell you, I love the weight of the bull and branch sheets. I like them in the summer when it's hot and you don't want a lot of covers on you. But in the wintertime, they're just the perfect weight, the perfect, I don't know, smoothness. They're 100% organic cotton threads. They've got super softness. They get softer every time you wash them. They're just the drape when you're laying down and stuff. They're not, They're just perfect sheets. I love them. Uh, I am effusive with my praise for Bowen Branch, and I'm delighted to have them as an advertiser. Look, they're made from the highest quality threads they got superior softness, they got over twenty five thousand rave customer reviews and counting. I'm one of them The quality you can tell is great; they hold up well after all the washes I've put them through and they just get softer. It doesn't matter what the thread count is. The fiber sucks, and you can tell they put a lot of great detail into the fibers they use. And look, Bola Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping, returns on all orders. You're going to feel the difference. You're not going to want to send them back. The first 100% organic fair trade certified bedding company ever. They used 90% less water than conventional production, zero pesticides, Other chemical, toxic chemicals, they don't use them. It's just fantastic. Listen, I'm effusive with my praise. I love and Branch. Try them for yourself. And again, you get a 30-night risk-free trial, free shipping, returns on all orders. Try the sheets that will make you fall for the coziest night's sleep in the season where you want cozy sheets. 15% off your first set of sheets. Free shipping when you use promo code Eric, E-R-I-C-K at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is Eric. Trust me, they're worth it. We've got five bedrooms, five beds, BolandBranch sheets on every bed. A whole lot of people have called in and asked my call screener a question. Why hasn't the Walker campaign responded to the Warnock ads about um, the ex-wife's allegations of abuse and wanting to kill a guy and and the like. I have not talked to the Walker campaign. And by the way, Herschel will be on the program next week. Um, My guess looking at financial disclosures is they don't have the money. So if you want him to mount a robust defense, you need to make a donation to the Walker campaign to be able to do so. They're, They're running low on funds, it looks like. Um, that's my guess as to why they have it mounted. My understanding is they've got a they they have a response and it's a pretty good response from what I've heard, but it's a response that goes nowhere if you don't have the money to put it on TV. So that that is an educated guess on my part. Looking at financial disclosures, the Warnock team has gobs of cash. The Walker team does not have, and you know President Trump raised ninety nine million dollars said he was going to help these people and hasn't spent a penny on herschel walker since he got the nomination um if donald trump wants to step up and write a check to the uh super PACs and the like to get walker over the finish line it would be good but he hasn't done so yet all right to the phones tom you're going to be up next welcome to the eric erickson show tom how are you
1: i'm doing great thank you for taking my call sure i had i had last week i hadn't no questions whether Governor DeSantis or uh, Senator Rubio would win here in Florida. That was before the hurricane hit. And when you look at the county, you know, Collier, Lee, Charlotte, Manatee, Sarasota, Polk Counties, those are the heart of the Republican Party here in the state of Florida. And with all the, the devastation and the displacement that's taking effect down there, I, and most a lot of them are, displant, are transplants from other states, And lack of housing, I have a real concern that uh, both of those elections are are going to be are going to be questionable. I mean, there's a million Republican voters on that southwest coast of Florida, and it would take a heck of um, of a absentee voting to get the people first where they sign up, and then where they'll vote. And I think this is going to be a critical part of the campaign. Yeah, look, uh, you
0: know, on the, the the downside of what DeSantis is dealing with is exactly that. It's, it's a Republican area of the state hit. Uh, a lot of people displaced. A lot of people will not be able to move back into a house by Election Day because there is no house to move back into. But it's October 3rd, and the DeSantis team already has a really impressive ground game operation down there. Uh, And they have contingencies in place for things like this to deal with absentee balloting. So if you live in Florida, you should consider voting by absentee ballot. One of the upsides is that Florida Republicans actually trust the absentee voting process way more than a lot of people do in other states because DeSantis has affirmed the legitimacy of the absentee voting process down there. So Republicans in Florida tend to vote by absentee ballot at significant numbers already. They already know how to do it, and they're going to have to probably do it. Now, there will be polling locations set up uh, for Election Day voting. There will be procedures in place. But at the same time, uh, absentee voting is your friend. If you've been displaced, if you're listening to this and you can't get home to your polling location or your polling location doesn't exist because it's been washed away by the storm. Absentee balloting is the way to go. Don't be afraid to cast your vote by absentee ballot, but go on and do it right now. Uh, That reminds me, I'm going to get my absentee ballot in because I know I'll be at work on Election Day. Um, So please, please, please. Get your absentee ballot in, if you can, in Florida. Uh, don't be afraid to vote by absentee ballot. And DeSantis's team has an operation in place to try to work on this. Um, so I would suggest any of you who have concerns reach out to his campaign, and they can help you get situated for your absentee ballot as well. Uh, when we come back, more of your phone calls. we got other stuff to talk about as well. 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, happy to hear from you and take your phone calls. When we come back and we got to talk about the crime wave. Yes, it's a big thing now. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program? I want to go back to the phones. Kermit is calling Kermit. Welcome to the show. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. How are you today, Eric? I'm good. I'm calling about the North Carolina race between Bud and Beasley. Mm -hmm. I listen to your, I listen to your show quite often. We talk a lot about Georgia. We talk a lot about Pennsylvania. Skip right over. North Carolina. So, uh, I need to see what your input is and where we stand. It's a really close race. Uh, Bud is underfinanced, uh, under finance, I think very, very short on money and, uh, he needs some help and so much as we can give it on the radio. I'd sure. Like to hear your thoughts.
0: Yeah. And you know, so I've had, um, I've had Ted, who's a friend on the show. And I I will tell you my assessment of that race, and it is that uh, Democrats are starting to buzz in large part because Bud had been ahead in the polling averages pretty significantly. He'd been up by about seven and a half points back in May. He's now only up a point and a half. The trend line has definitely been towards Sherry Beasley. Um, but, uh, my guess and the guess of both democratic and Republican strategists is that bud probably keeps that seat. And the reason why is 2020, uh, in that race, let me give you the polls. Um, these are the polls from, um, October 4th until election day. Uh, you had Cunningham up six, up two, up 10, up five, up four, up four, up two, up one, up one, up six tie tie six four three one three three ten three one three two three four uh the polling average at the end of the race was cunningham up 2.6 percent against tom tillis tom tillis won by 1.6 percent um the moral of the story there being that most pollsters believe that in north carolina when the race is close uh, the Republicans have an advantage. And so if Bud is up 1.6, he's probably up three to four. Uh, the Democrats want you to believe that actually there is a hidden Democratic bias now. Uh, the problem is, is that that's not typically the way it works. Um, and this is probably helpful to to understand. And Kermit, thank you for listening. Let me see if I can break this down for you. When pollsters talk about a polling bias to the Democrats, what they tend to mean are two things. One, in national polls, you tend to poll across the country and you may hit into urban areas where even the people who say they're Republican lean to the left. But also in state level polling in particular, there are a lot of people who just don't talk to pollsters on the right. So let's take North Carolina as a great example of this. Uh, every poll in North Carolina in October of 2020 had Cal Cunningham beating Tom Tillis, and Tom Tillis won by 1.6%. The media buzz was that Tillis was going down, and it kind of surprised people that he won North Carolina. Uh, Ted Budd is up 1.6 points. Now, That he was up 7.5 points at the beginning of this year. It's 1.6 points. Sherry Beasley has trended up. Uh, The race is less than five weeks away, and there's probably a polling bias to the Democrats. Now, the Democrats are arguing that, well, actually, there are all these Democratic voters who aren't talking to pollsters. Here's the problem. Just based on uh, real survey data and real data analysis, Democratic voters are more likely to talk to pollsters. Republican voters tend not to answer the phone, tend not to be on the list that get called and also tend to be suspicious that the pollsters are uh, probably feeding input to someone and it's not really an anonymous poll and they don't like to talk to them. A woman who is a Democrat who is mad about abortion is probably the number one person who wants to talk to a pollster. She's mad and she's going to have her revenge and she wants everybody to know it. And so she is talking to the pollsters. In fact, that could be the phenomenon in North Carolina that's causing Sherry Beasley to surge. Those voters are demanding, they're probably themselves proactively going to find the pollsters to say, I want you to know I'm voting for Sherry Beasley because of abortion. The Republicans, they're not talking to the pollsters. So the pollsters try their best to get as best of a sample as possible. A national survey is easier to get a sample than a state survey. A state survey is easier to get a sample than a congressional district survey. And a congressional district survey is easier to get than a local survey. The numbers of people you have to get, uh, the numbers of people you have to interview. Here are the numbers right now. Uh, PPP, which is a Democratic firm, has Sherry Beasley up one. The Trafalgar Group, which is Republican, has butt up three. East Carolina University has butt up three. Emerson College has butt up three. And Signal has a tie. Signal is a Republican pollster. Now, if we go back to the 2020 Senate race, let's see. You had Emerson College had Cunningham up three. Emerson College now has uh, butt up three. You had um, Eastern Carolina University had Cunningham up one. Uh, They've now got Bud up three. If they're oversampling Democrats, that means Bud's doing well. And and the notable thing is the buzz. Now, there are always surprise races, and there are always sleeper races in campaigns. And this could be the surprise race. This could be the one that nobody saw. But the fact that neither the Democrats nor the Republicans nationally are really talking about this race suggests neither of them really believe the Republicans are going to lose it. There has been a shift in the conversation over the last couple of weeks. Some Democrats now suggesting abortion will carry the day. There's a Bloomberg story out that suggests because of the influx of tech workers from the West Coast and abortion among women and and college-educated people moving to the Democratic Party, Sherry Beasley, may pull off an upset, but when the dominant issues of the day favor the Republicans, North Carolina tends to favor Republicans, the polling tends to undercount Republicans, that suggests to me Ted Bud's going to win. I can be wrong. The polling could have corrected itself, and he could be on the verge of losing. I continue to say the trend lines do matter, and the trend lines had been a race in fa- where the Democrats had momentum in North Carolina, but if you look at the more recent trend lines at the end of September to beginning of October, the trend lines have shifted back to the GOP in North Carolina. So I think Ted Bud wins it. Uh am I gonna stake my life on it? No, of course not. Things can change, events change things, but when you've got a number of pollsters who have traditionally tended to oversample Democrats saying that Bud is ahead, I don't think they've changed their sampling dramatically enough to now suddenly oversample Republicans who are least likely to talk to pollsters, and they've still got Bud up, so I think that's good for him. And last point, and it's an echo, it's it's a reverberation of the key point. Neither Democrats nor Republicans are buzzing about Ted Bud being in trouble therefore they have better polls than the public polls and none of them see anything that suggests the Democrats are gonna pick up the seat. Now back to the phones, 877-973-7425. Tracy, you're gonna be up next, welcome to the show.
1: Hey Eric, I just registered for the Bourbon event. At the end oh, of this excellent. month, thanks for Yay. that, heads up, look forward to seeing you there. What do you think it would take for the media for journalists for the news to be objective or at least come more to the center? Paint that picture for us. Show up October
0: 28th, Tracy, and I'll give you all the details. Thanks for calling. Uh, (laughs) 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 You're funny. (laughs) Okay. Uh, This is actually a great question. Um, It's the thing the media doesn't want. Competition. Um, The more comp, this is why they hate Fox News so much um, because Fox News tends to cover stories the rest of the media doesn't like. For example, uh, did you know neither CNN nor uh, MSNBC uh, covered the Where's Jackie comment from President Biden? Fox News covered it. The other networks didn't cover it. Um, They don't like the competition. Uh, They're resentful of it. They don't like that Fox gets more coverage than they get. Um, and they all tend to be in a bubble with the Democrats. Honestly, I, if, if I could run CNN for a day, I would make them move back to Atlanta where they still had biases, but they were more likely to encounter people who didn't share those biases. Uh, and I think that would be one thing to help fix CNN, get it out of the New York, D.C. echo chamber. Uh, as far as the national media, though, if I'm going to be honest, this is going to hurt some friends of mine, their feelings. Uh, the conservative media that's out there that purports to compete with the mainstream media is largely garbage outside of Fox. Uh, the conservative newspapers look cheap. The conservative websites look cheap. The conservative TV stations. My gosh, OAN is just a a, a poop festival on a daily basis of fringe conspiracy theorists. Uh, you got to be able to compete, provide competition, and that would shake up the media. Because here's the thing, and a lot of people, I can I can hear it in the voice right now, and say, but Fox, but Fox, but Fox, you keep mentioning Fox, and it hasn't changed. They've got one network that competes against them. You've got ABC, CBS, NBC, PBS, uh, CNN, MSNBC, The New York Times, the uh USA Today, Chicago Tribune, the Los Angeles Times, the Wall Street or the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal is kind of the anomaly, although a lot of its reporters lean to the left outside of the editorial page, it's it's not exactly conservative. Uh, there's gotta be competition. You've got Fox versus everybody else. And the conservatives who have tried to compete have actually kind of produced some garbage products. And If you could raise the quality of the conservative competition and add to the conservative competition, it would force a lot of the media to change. Because at the end of the day, there remains for most of the media profit motive. Why has the New York Times gone so far off the deep end? Now, keep in mind, the New York Times has always been liberal. I'm not saying they weren't. They've always been liberal. But they've headed in a far-left, progressive, in-your-face way. I mean, for Pete's sakes, they've got a white reporter from California going to Georgia saying Herschel Walker's not black enough. Why are they doing that? The profit motive. The New York Times during the Trump era and so many of the other major media outlets started making so much money by hating on Trump and hating on Republicans That the national media believes that keeping those sorts of left-wing readers who have money, giving them money is the way to stay in business. So until someone comes along and disrupts that, they're not going to change. They have too much financial incentive to sit it out. They want liberals. They don't care about you and me. They claim that they do. The Washington Post just ditched Radley Balco. Now, I'm not a big fan of his, nor he of mine. Um, He is one of those people who didn't like Donald Trump. He's very libertarian, socially liberal. Um, But they ditched him because his pieces were, regardless of what you would think about him, uh, fairly thoughtful pieces, even if I disagreed. They were long form, and the Washington Post is making money off the, the hate traffic that comes in from Jen Rubin saying stupid things on Twitter, getting people to click through to read her stuff. Um, the Washington Post is owned by Jeff Bezos, formerly of Amazon, and they are profiting off hate clicks. And when you have someone producing thoughtful pieces that may get both sides riled up, um, but they're thoughtful, in-depth pieces, they don't generate as much traffic. Uh, One of the downsides right now is that the left is able to generate a ton of traffic, uh, a ton of click-throughs, and a ton of problems, and they've got to have the competition. Uh, they've got to be able to have a, a, a way for conservatives to be engaged online. One of the things conservatives have also done that I think is bad is they've largely ghettoized themselves. Now, in academia, yes, it's true. Conservatives have been driven out but within the media space conservatives have marginalized themselves there are conservatives i know i'm actually texting with a conservative reporter of a major news outlet right now uh who got a start in the conservative space is still conservative uh tries to play it straight and is a very good reporter and and i I hear from people similarly situated not from this guy but from others that yes it is more and more difficult to work in these places in large part because there is a bias against them already, but also conservatives say, well, I'm not going to go work at a place I'm hated. I'm going to go do my own thing. And so they wind up in places that are already uh, predominated by conservatives and are increasingly then marginalized on their own. Um, So it's a multifaceted, complicated process. But the bottom line, honestly, is there's got to be competition. You got to have competition. And until conservatives are willing to put up new sites, that look just as credible as the New York Times, as opposed to, I mean, like, I'm not a big fan of the Washington Times website. I think it's a garbage website. Until you're willing to build sites that look like the Times, the New York Times, and the Washington Post, that look like a professional publication, uh, you're going to keep getting written off and marginalized. You got to start there and have that competition. And then you got to build another news outlet like Fox News. And Newsmax is trying. News Nation is trying to play middle of the road. Newsmax is trying to be a Fox competitor. Stop competing with Fox. Go after CNN. Play it straight and have a conservative editorial bent. And I think you grow. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. The phone number is eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. Should you wish to be a part of the uh, program, and I am told that Eastern Carolina is actually East Carolina University, not Eastern Carolina University. The other one is Western Carolina University, not West Carolina University. May God have mercy on their souls. <laughs> All right. East Carolina University's polling. Uh, it had the Democrat winning two years ago and the Republican won. And this year has the Republican winning. Maybe they've overcompensated, but I, 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 I doubt it. I doubt it. Now, we must move on to other things. Portland, Oregon. That state has a Republican tied in the governor's race. Why? Dan McLaughlin, my friend Dan, has a piece about Portland, Oregon. Let me read you part of it. He's actually quoting from an ABC News affiliate. Neighbors are asking for answers in Northeast Portland. Residents woke up to tires punctured on vehicles parked on the street and in driveways. Portland police say they've confirmed at least 30 vehicles have been hit. It's a really good neighborhood, so we hate to see it, hate to hear it, said Dennis Breslin, another neighbor. Why would anyone go around town slashing tires, asked a kid named Luna. It's been crazy having to raise children and all the crime going on, shootings, intersections getting shut down, tire slashings. It's a bit much, said Aaron Jones, another one of the neighborhood. After another story, after moving from Portland's old town to downtown, Wyatt Savage was hopeful the level of crime wouldn't be so severe. But the owner of Pallet Portland is now considering a move to escape the challenges. In three months, I've had four windows smashed. I've had somebody try and rip the front door off our gate of our gate off the hinges. It's been nonstop, Savage said. Savage says he's added tools in an effort to slow down break-ins, like wooden boards and gates. But the business owner said the financial implications was getting hard. And another one, Portland police made three arrests after four homicides in a 24-hour period over the weekend. It's unsafe for everybody. Here's Susan Page on this issue of from USA Today talking on Meet the Press. Money has mattered, but what's the bigger story? That Republicans have caught up in some of these races or that Democrats haven't fallen back. You know, I think uh, one thing that we found is abortion was an issue that really helped Democrats. Now crime is an issue that is increasingly helping Republicans along with the issue of inflation. And one thing we've seen, for instance, in Wisconsin is that uh, the Democratic candidate there, Mandela Barnes, has been caught up in the same phenomenon that some Republican candidates have found, which is things you said in the past, maybe when you weren't running for this particular office, have resurfaced and portray you as extreme. Yeah, Mandela Barnes in Wisconsin has long time advocated defunding the police. He's now denying it. Republicans have the receipts, they're rolling the tapes, Fetterman wanting murderers out of prison. Crime matters and it could win the Republicans two races in Oregon as a result of, including the governor's mansion there.